coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Ashley and I are expecting a baby boy in late September. Couldn't be more happy. Just got to celebrate my first Father's Day, which is an interesting thing, but... uh... But I feel like the wine cooking skills are the biggest ones. And, and truthfully, every executive chef that I know that I you know, really admire is a good wine cook before they're a good chef. Kind of how I coined this menu was Beach Bar meets Beach Drive. And uh, I think that was, that was uh, kind of the direction that I wanted to go with it. My go-to chef's knife is Wustoff Classic. I'm a huge fan of Wustoff. I've actually got one tattooed to my finger. But, uh, <laughs> Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Chef Jason Gordon from The Big Catch at Salt Creek. We'll talk about how Jason has really kicked things up several notches at the waterfront dining establishment. At the top of the show, we'll discuss the Ruby cooking course that we are taking and why. We We have have a great great show, so stick stick around. around. I am so hungry right now. I'm going to go to Noble Crust. What? You've never been? No way. Check this out. They do both food from the South and Italian, and they do an amazing job at both. They have some of the best fried chicken, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. The fried green tomatoes are not like anyone else's. They call it the FGBLT, but I think they should call it the OMG, because it has Tabasco honey pork belly and pimento cheese. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. Noble Crust also made six of St. Pete Foodie's best of list. Best Italian, casual dining, best pizza, Bloody Mary's, meatballs, and best salads. If Noble Crust is already one of your favorites, then I have good news. They're expanding their service hours. Starting on February 7th, they'll be open for lunch on Fridays. And they'll start opening on Mondays for dinner starting February 10th. As always, on Saturday and Sunday, there's an awesome brunch starting at 10.30, and the deviled eggs are one of my favorites. The St. Pete location is on 4th Street North and 83rd, and they also have locations in Carrollwood and Wesley Chapel. You can check hours and menus at noble-crust.com. Noble Crust is a must for your next lunch, brunch, or dinner. So recently on our conversational opening segments, we've been talking a lot about uh, food news and what's going on, trends and things like that. But we're going to do a little, a different one today, talking more about some new stuff that we're doing that relates to 
this job of ours. You may remember this, Lori. A few years ago, we went to Sea Salt for a tasting, and we met Beth Preddy, who at the time was their PR agent. Yes. And she asked us what our credentials are. And I was like, what are you talking about, Willis? (laughs) I mean, I have to admit, I was a little taken aback. I was thinking, I know what good food tastes like, and I can write. What more do you need to know? Right. More recently, however, I thought it would be a good idea to have some type of credentials or certifications. I've got one, and we are working on another. Recently, I became a certified food judge for the World Food Championships. That's an annual event that culminates from a bunch of local and regional events. They have their own method called the EAT method, E-A-T, which stands for execution, appearance, and taste. Mm-hmm. However, they do it in the order of eight, A-T-E. Why didn't they just call it that? I guess they think eat sounds cooler than eight. I don't know. So it's, so they do it first because you, you always eat with your eyes first. Mm-hmm. So it's the appearance. What mm-hmm. does it look like? And you're also comparing that to what the competitor has submitted with their description. Right. So like if they said it's a bacon cheeseburger and there's no bacon on it, you'd knock a point off on appearance. And then... T is taste, and then E is the overall execution. So that's, I mean, not going to go into all the details on how that all works, but that is one type of way to judge food. And it really uh, opened my eyes on a lot of stuff. So I, I actually, I really did learn some things there. So there's the judging or critiquing side, but there's also the cooking side. And we found out when we interviewed Laura Riley, the former Tampa Bay Times food critic, that she actually went to culinary school, but not to work in a restaurant but because she was critiquing them. Right. You know, I took cooking classes in high school, and we frequently cook at home, but we've never been classically trained or officially certified or learned, like, the right actual techniques. Like, yeah, I can cut stuff and chop stuff. Like a chef? No. No. But we're, we're going to we're fix that. takes me forever to chop stuff up. Yeah. So give me your take on it. So anyway, well, first, let's just jump to one thing here. It's the Ruby online culinary school that we signed up for and that's spelled r-o-u-x-b-e right like a roux dot com it's a cooking thing on saturday and i signed up and you what was your reaction <laughs> when you said i go are you really signing up for this thing seriously oh boy here comes the next obsessive compulsive thing for saturday <laughs> right and then he was playing some of the um he was playing the uh one of the cooking lessons in the background. It's, it's a n- it, was nice for, it was about knives. And Kevin and I, I'm sure you've heard, if you listen to the show a lot, have re- recently purchased a lot of knives. And so he actually started from the beginning about knives and how to choose a knife set, even though we weren't going to buy another knife set because we already have two. We learned that we actually have one that's Japanese and it's a single blade? Single bevel. Bevel, that's what I meant to say. Single bevel knife. Whereas the Rhineland set that we have is a German steel set, and they are double beveled, which I tended to learn lean towards using the Rhineland cutlery because I'm left-handed, and the single bevel is skewed towards right-handed people, it seems. Right, like a lot of things around here. Yeah. Like mugs with pictures and, on them. And I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know that that's why I liked it better. And then I start listening to, to Kevin's lesson in the background. I'm like... Oh, that is quite interesting. Maybe yeah. I should do this with you. <laughs> I'm going and getting all the knives out and stuff. So, yeah, so we have really nice knives, but no badass knife skills. So what's cool is the first lessons at the Ruby Online Culinary School are on knives because that's where everything starts. If And that's why a lot of times people don't cook 
or I might not feel like cooking because I'm like, oh man, I got to do all that chopping and stuff mm-hmm. and, and dicing and blah, blah, blah. But now I can't do it like super fast. Like, you know, you see these pro chefs that have been doing it for years and years do it, but I go slow, but I'm doing it the right way. Right. And little by little, you can, you get faster. Right. And I haven't gone through all the courses like Kevin has. He, he tends to get on to, to one thing and he is single-minded about things and then I'll do things that way. So right. I'll get on it eventually. Yeah. So the, like I said, the first lessons are on knives. You learn about actual knives. Here's different types of knives, what they are, what they're used for, what makes a higher, better quality knife. You learn the parts of the knife. Then there's the actual knife skills. And I actually went through that part with him. The first part even took the test with him. So mm-hmm. I'm on to the knife skills that I have to get to. There's, and then after knife, general knife skills, there's handling a chef's knife and different types of cuts. So I've completed two lessons. I got 100 on my first test and a 90 on my second test. So I'm, right now I'm averaging, averaging 95. Laura will probably get 100. <laughs> oh, one thing I want to mention that I think is important too. You might think, oh, I can just go on YouTube and search for videos. Well, this is recognized by the American Culinary Federation Education Foundation as a quality program. It is also recognized by the World Association of Chef Societies as approved quality culinary training. And it's being, it's run by, it's being run by all former culinary school people. You know, so there's a bunch of demonstration videos, there's text. They have hundreds of hours of instructional videos that focus on the core techniques with several different course curriculums to help you master techniques. Here's some of the things they have, how to make stock, how to make sauce, there's a whole section on eggs, which I will be totally into. Dry heat cooking methods, moist heat cooking methods, meat, poultry, fish. Those are all separate individual things. How to make soup. There's one on seasoning, pasta, rice and grains, salad dressings, bread. Get this, chocolate. The whole thing on chocolate. And there I, is... I didn't hear gravy in there because I can't make gravy to save my life. It's probably in there somewhere. I skipped over some <laughs> stuff because there's so much. I skipped over right, some I'm stuff. Right, I'm just I'm kidding. There's, and the very, the very last I course. I there's like sauces and reductions and stuff like that, braising. Yeah, there's what, there's a ton of stuff. There's a lot of stuff I don't know. Guess what the last lesson is? Bread? No, what do you do when you're done? Dessert. Making the food. Cleaning up. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we need to add that one for sure. <laughs> Eating? Plating. Oh. Plating is the last one. <laughs> so check it out. We'll, we'll put a link on the blog post for this episode for the uh, Ruby online culinary course. It's really cool. They have stuff that's really, really intense. There's an individual section, which is what we're doing. And there's a business professional section, like if you work in a restaurant or want to work in a restaurant. And then there's even uh, a group section, like if you have like uh, a group of like whatever, 6, 10, 20 people, like for a classroom type of setting. Mm. They actually do have some actual physical brick and mortar schools that are using Ruby as part of their curriculum as well. Cool. Yeah. So there's, I mean, it, it, and it's all, there's stuff in there. If you just want to like do a couple of things casually and not be under any pressure, there's tons of stuff in there for that. And then it goes from very casual and light to as serious as you could possibly get. So we'll have a link for that. And after this word from our sponsors, we will be right back with Chef Jason Gordon. Keep on moving. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. 
they also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, Chef Jason Gordon. Welcome, Jason. Yes, Thank welcome. you guys very much. And thanks for taking the time because when we were recently in to visit you, you told us about your schedule. Yeah, yeah. The life of a chef slash GM is uh, pretty demanding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and especially when you're at a, uh, well, somewhat newer place for you. Sure. So you're, you're at the, the Big Catch at Salt Creek now. And when, when did you start there? Was it early this year? You started in mid-February. Yeah, Yep, I started in mid-February. Um, I had about you know a solid month to get my feet wet and to kind of look at the operations and, and see where I'd best be able to fix things. And not too much longer after that, we were shut down. Right. Yeah, remember I wrote it in the piece. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we're going to get more into uh, the big catch in a bit. Let's uh, catch up with you first. Now, you've been on, you were on back in May 2019. That's episode 36, if anybody wants to go back and find that. And just a couple things we learned there. We learned that you grew up in the Denver area. You've been cooking since you were 14. You went into finance, but decided you liked cooking better. And a few years ago, you took a vacation in St. Pete while visiting your parents and decided to stay. We have heard this story before. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. We love St. Pete. Everybody loves St. Pete. You created uh, your first... um, major new endeavor in St. Pete was at the Brass Bowl Kitchen and Juicery. You created their original menu, which I think some of it is still the same and probably some of it's changed at this point. Um, you know, I haven't really checked too much lately, but the last time I had uh, I'd seen anything, it was pretty much the exact same menu that I had revamped before I left. Okay, cool. Right. And, and you, you, so you, obviously you left there uh, beginning of 2020. And yep. let's see, what else is uh, new with you? Oh, you have oh, a baby yeah. on the way? Yes, we do. So uh, Ashley and I are expecting a baby boy in late September. Couldn't be more happy. Just to, got to celebrate my first Father's Day, which is an interesting thing. But uh, <laughs> no, we, we, we feel extremely blessed and uh, really looking forward to that. We're very excited for you and Ashley. Um, Thank you. Also, you've got an upcoming wedding too, right? The wedding's not necessarily on the books right now. Uh, obviously, that's, that's the goal. Um, unfortunately, just with everything that's going on right now, it's it's kind of hard to book venues. It's hard to, uh, you know, get a, a date on, on the books that's actually going to be successful. So right. we're, kind of, we're kind of waiting to see how this all plays out. I mean, unfortunately, we even haven't even had a chance to do a baby shower or anything like that. So right. Right, now, right now, our main concern is just about making sure that Ashley's safe and making sure the baby's safe. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, it's that way for a lot of weddings and other events. But congratulations on the engagement. I guess that's where I was really Thank going. You. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another thing, because I, I, I listened back to your uh, other episode, uh, most of it, not all of it. And one of the things that you said back then that I really loved is you said that, uh, well, you had you had worked at a couple of other places that we didn't name. And the they had executive chefs that the time you were there, you'd never seen them cook anything. Yeah. I, I, 
I, I think that's unfortunately one of uh, one of the disadvantages of, of having a chef-owned restaurant when the chef doesn't, you know, make the priority of the cooking. Because what ends up happening is all that passion is being passed along to somebody else who probably wasn't, you know, the master behind, you know, the creating of the menu or, or what the ambiance that they wanted to express is. And, you know, being an owner or GM or any of those things, unfortunately, calls you away from the kitchen a, a lot of the time. So um, that's always been a huge priority for me is to is to make sure that first and foremost, I was always a chef before I was in the management. Um, and I feel like the most successful restaurants that I go to, you know, that same policy is in place. Yes. Right. Yeah. Us so, too. Yeah. So, yeah, what you had said back on the other show was uh, executive chefs should be in the kitchen cooking. And sure. Obviously, based on what you just said, I mean, there's there are administrative and managerial things that you have to deal with. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm curious because I am just currently I just recently started uh, a knife skills course, and I'm I'm still wearing training okay. wheels big time. But I'm wondering is is it like riding a bike, or do you need to keep your practice up more like a musical instrument? You know, there's some things that are like riding a bike, but uh, I, I feel like the biggest thing when it comes to uh, just consistently having to be in the kitchen is the timing of things. And, you know, un- understanding if you have 12 tickets on the board, what do you have to start first? What's going to take the longest? Is mm-hmm. everything going to come up at the same time? And I think that's where a lot of people lose their practice. I feel the technique is, you know, pretty set in stone, um, especially for classically trained people who, you know, there's one way to do something. But I, I feel like the wine cooking skills are the biggest ones. And, and truthfully, every executive chef that I know that I, you know, really admire is a good line cook before they're a good chef. Is a good what? A good line cook? Is a good, good line cook first. Right. Yes. That, yeah, that makes right. sense. Right. Yeah. And you also, uh, another cool thing is uh, back in October 2019, you won Top Local Chef for 2019, People, both People's Choice and Critics' Choice. Yeah. And I was yeah, one of I those critics. It was, it was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was one of those things where, you know, we, I was representing Brass Bull, which, as you guys know, is a fast, casual concept. And I think probably my biggest plight with, uh, you know, operating a fast, casual environment was, you know, my passion and my love for cooking is, is more on the fine dining side of things. And right. so this, uh, this competition gave me the opportunity to really, you know, want to compete and to, to dive into my creative juices and, and the style of cooking that I enjoy the most. So... Uh, we, me and my sous chef Clay, uh, we thought long and hard about what we wanted to do and I felt like we did a pretty good job executing it. The only thing I wish we could have done is, uh, had a little bit more cooking, um, at the actual site so that we could have made precious a little bit better, but right. we had to work with what we've got and, you know, we were happy to pull out with a win for that. But it was, it was, it was by far probably the most fun I've ever had in a cooking competition. So that's cool. Have you been in any other cooking competitions? Um, the last thing that I did was the Florida food and Brews, Florida food and brews festival. Um, it was also a local shops one and club saver sponsored, um, uh, tournament. We saw in the park with a bunch of other vendors. Um, and there was several categories that you could compete in. Um, and we actually won the, uh, people's choice and the judge's choice for best entree. Oh, wow. That's, That's great. awesome. Congrats. Yeah. So I've done two cooking shows in Florida, and me and my sous chef Clay have uh, won both of those. So we're excited that hopefully there'll be another one soon here sometime. Yeah, and you do have a particular style of cooking. How, how would you describe your cooking style and philosophy? Philosophy for me has always been to let the ingredients speak for themselves. Um, I use a lot of 
classical uh, indulgent foods. I love pork belly. I love things of fatty. I love foie gras. I love things like that, duck. Um, but a lot of times those preparations are so uh, heavy, and I feel like my cooking is a lot lighter. Um, obviously, very, very colorful is important to me, but I like the ingredients speak for themselves. I try really hard to source the best ingredients um, that I can because, in my opinion, that's Mother Nature is always going to be the best uh, chef. And I think that's kind of the plight that I've seen over the past 10 years is that produce just doesn't look the same as it used to. It's now being controlled to make, uh, you know, colors look bright and for it to sit on a shelf for a long time and, and look right. But throughout all of that, there's been a lot of um, flavor that's been impacted. So um, I would say that my style of cooking has always been simplistic, um, a little bit more advanced technique, but uh, keeping things really light, colorful, and uh, not overindulgent. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So how do you create a menu? Because you did fantastic stuff at the Brass Bowl. You're doing fantastic stuff at the Big Catch. And both of those menus obviously have your thumbprint on them. Oh, they do. Yep. Sure. <laughs> but they're still, it's two different places, two different concepts. So how do you, so when you start at the Big Catch, what goes through your mind? Are there certain steps that you say, okay, here's, or certain questions you ask that then determine the direction? Sure. So, my, my goal as, a, as an executive chef is to, you know, really uh, accomplish what my owners want to have happened. And I think at the Big Catch, it was one of those things to where there was a lack of identity of what did what kind of restaurant did they want to be? Do they want to be known for, um, you know, being a, a beach bar style, um, a classic Florida food style? Or, you know, is it trying to cater to some more of the more affluent eaters that might visit Beach Drive? And in, in, in discussing that with all of them, you know, it was it's really a combination uh, of all of those things. So this new menu, I wanted to uh, basically have it reflect that a beach bar could have a higher end approach to things from people that wanted it. But the demographic that we serve here in South St. Pete is people that have been coming to, you know, this location prior to it being the big catch and it was fishtails before that. Right. And they had an expectation of what they wanted of what, what kind of food that they wanted. But we also started attracting a whole bunch of different type of clientele. So uh, I think every restaurant strives to be able to please everybody in the sense of what their offerings are. But uh, I think we took it a step, a step up in that regard. And kind of how I coined this menu was beach bar meets beach drive. And uh, <laughs> I think that was, that was uh, kind of the direction that I wanted to go with it. But uh, we have a section on our menu called Dockside Favorites, and that's going to accompany all the things that, you know, uh, a tourist or, or somebody that's, you know, getting off of work or, you know, just looking for an, a nice piece of fresh seafood done the Florida way uh, can, can really enjoy. But also some things that you're not going to see anywhere else. So that was that was the inspiration behind this menu. Yes, definitely well described. I totally agree with you. I love that uh, Beach Bar Meets Beach Drive. And we're going to take a quick break and come back and get into some of those details. We will be right back. I love soup and I'm always in search of a great soup. Ramen is just so complex and delicious with layers of complex flavors in its broth. Booyah Ramen is one of my favorite places in downtown St. Pete. So much so that I recently included them on my top five Asian noodle soups list for their pork belly ramen. Now Booyah's success is not just about the ramen. It's a hip, upbeat environment meant for unwinding and socializing with house-crafted cocktails 
a large selection of Japanese whiskey and izakaya too. Those are small plates of different types of appetizers that are delicious as well as the ramen. The ambiance of the place, along with the friendliness of the owners and staff, really adds to the character and charm of Buya. And to add to its coolness, the owners are actually opening up four more stores, one in Miami and three in Berlin of all places. Yes, Berlin, Germany. How cool is that? Buya Ramen is located at 911 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete and is open seven days a week at 11 a.m. Do ya, Buya? Have you been to Pacific Counter? It is one of the newest fast casual concepts located on one of the fastest growing blocks in St. Pete, the 600 block of Central Avenue. They offer build your own bowls, burritos, or salads with a variety of the freshest bases, toppings, and sauces to satisfy anyone's craving and put you in charge. There are actually 6,432,189 combinations possible. Overwhelmed by build your own? I know that I sometimes am. Well, you can also choose from their counter creations menu already picked for you. The first couple of times we ate there, that's exactly what I did. Then I decided to get adventurous. For bases, they offer sushi rice, brown rice, noodles, or greens. Sushi rice seems to be the norm, but I'm not a big rice person, so I finally tried the noodles, and to say I fell in love is an understatement. They are actually sweet potato noodles, I found out later, and I have no idea how they make them seem like rice noodles. I added fresh tuna and salmon, my choice of toppings and a sauce, which I didn't even need because the bowl was so good without it. I told Kevin I could eat this every day and I would probably lose weight and love it at the same time. If you haven't checked out Pacific Counter, I would highly recommend it. They are open for lunch and dinner, have a variety of unique alcoholic and non-alcoholic drink options, and they have the beloved Dole Whip. Find your fresh at Pacific Counter. Pacific Counter is located at 660 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They are open 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday through Thursday and 11 a.m. to midnight on Friday and Saturday. We are back! We are back! We are back with Chef Jason Gordon from The Big Catch at Salt Creek. And you are not only the executive chef, you're also the general manager. That's correct. Yes. You have a big job there, and you're doing a good job of it from what we've seen when we were in recently. I do want to mention that we have a wonderful review of The Big Catch that just went up last week on stpetersburgfoodies.com, so check that out. And we were talking about how you create a menu, and that was really cool. You said that it, you, know, you looked at it as uh, a beach bar meets beach drive, and yeah, you totally achieved that because... Obviously, like you said, it used to be fishtails, and then the early big catch, you know, it's, it's a lot of the same clientele that we're looking for beach bar kind of stuff, and you guys deliver that, but you also now can draw people that eat like us, that, like beach drive crowd. Right, right. Or just, you can, just downtown St. Pete in general. Yeah, downtown, right, exactly, downtown St. Pete. So some of the items that we had that we really loved were the charbroiled oysters, the, the, they were delicious. The the pork belly candy, that's the right word for that. Yeah, <laughs> that was incredible. Uh, oh, and the butter prawns, mm-hmm. definitely. It's you know it's cool because it's seafood. It's it's a little more on the upscale side, and for yeah. some people uninitiated, they might think, oh, that looks like it's too difficult to deal with. No, they come just comes right out of the shell, so easy. It's not. Sometimes you might say like if. If you order a whole lobster, that's kind of work. And some people might say it's worth the effort. You don't have to, there's no effort with these. Right, right. And the flavor is just amazing. 
Yeah, so I, I wanted to make a statement with that butter prawn. Um, there, I you know I uh, I I love large shrimp and langoustines and things of that nature. And I honestly haven't found a restaurant that was really doing anything of that size. That's a, a U4 uh, prawn. So, I mean, it's a quarter pounder. It's a, it's a pretty decent size. Yeah. And I actually seen a, a couple of restaurants in the past uh, couple of weeks uh, switch over to those. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what that's all about, but uh, I'm, I'm glad everyone's finding the, this, this, uh, this great product, but um we split them completely in halves and we serve with an oyster fork and they really do pull right out of the shell. But the reason they're so tender is they're called butter prawns for a reason. And like I said, I, I tend to lean towards more French style technique and, and these guys are slow poached and a lot of butter and you can taste the, you can taste the lusciousness. You can taste how delicate the meat really is. I offset it all that richness with a, with a really bright uh, lemon curd that's uh, made in house preserved. Uh, with our preserved lemons, so uh, it's just one of those classics with a little bit of a twist to it. But really happy to start seeing some real true seafood coming out of this kitchen. Yes, yeah. agreed. They, they are awesome. They, luscious is the right word for those. They're they're almost like a baby like a lo- lobster. Yes. Yeah, that's like a what baby it, lobster. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah, they 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 do have a lot of those qualities. They still they have the same type of striations in the meat that you'd see in a lobster tail. Right. So uh, yeah, it's it's not your average shrimp. That's for sure. Yeah, and the the grilled everything red snapper, everything meaning like an everything bagel seasoning, seasoning, right? Right. Uh, No, so the everything aspect of it is everything that's on that plate is but minus the sauce is all uh, grilled components. So the snapper itself is grilled, the cauliflower steak is grilled, and the leeks that are on there are actually intentionally burnt. Uh, It creates a really nice onion, it really nice oniony, slightly bitter taste. Um, and with all that smoky aspects of it, I paired it with a saffron butter and this butter is really nice and bright. It's creamy and it adds a really nice fatty component to all of that smoky charredness of the fish. But a lot of times when you, when you think of things being grilled, you just think of it, the, the smoke overpowering the fish. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think that, that that's the case in this dish right at, at all. Um, especially when you have that, that really, really nice butter that goes with it. Yeah. And the nice crispy skin and those, yeah, the char and those leeks really, yeah, make, really, really good. makes those too. So I guess I have to go back and fix my write up because I, I assumed I should have asked you, I assumed it was like you were using everything seasoning yeah. on this. It just seems like so many people <laughs> are doing that these days. Sure. And, and, you know, I, I, uh, I had trouble trying to name what I wanted that entree to be because when I was writing the description, it was grilled this, grilled that, grilled that. I'm like, well, rather than just writing grilled nine different times on my description, why don't I say it's grilled everything? Right, right. Cool. We also enjoyed the uh, jerk rubbed short rib. Yes. That yep. was super good. And Fall what was off the bone the, good. The, it was like a plantain mash on the bottom of that? Yeah, that's right. So uh, fresh plantain mash. Uh, they're, they're simmered in... Uh, bunch of different spices butter cream and uh i, I keep i don't mash them completely it's more that's why it says uh, smash plantains just because i like to have some of the chunks in there for, for texture to me totally it seemed a lot more a lot more rustic and a little bit uh less pretentious and just more of a you know stick to your ribs kind of meal that yeah. uh that had a little bit of a you know floor being uh, accent to it. Absolutely. Totally. You know, when, when we came for this, we had eaten so many things already that by the time we got that, we were so full, but we were just taking little bites here and there. And so I only, I didn't get in far oh, enough right. into the plantain mash. So I took that, we, we, Laura and I split up the leftovers. I took that one home and two days later I was having that for lunch 
And I was like, oh man, I got to tell Lori how good this is. It's better than we thought it was because now I'm getting into where there's the texture of some of the chunks with the mash and that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great idea on that. Yeah. And there's the baby. Well, and, uh, what I think really ties that dish together is we take all of the braising liquid from the actual short ribs themselves and we strain it all out and reduce it down. Uh, so it's really nice, thick, almost like a demi-gloss. Uh, but then we uh, add some bamboo rum. And uh, bamboo rum has a lot of you know similar notes as jerk seasoning does, a lot of cinnamon, um, a lot of star anise and things like that. Um, but one of our owners, Angela Bonacore, she, uh, that's, that's her favorite rum and she insisted it was on the menu. And I felt <laughs> like there's so many, so many different drinks and, and other things on the menu previous to me joining that, um, you know, really paid homage to the boys in the Berg, which is, which is the name of the LLC that we, uh, operate under. So I felt it was necessary that, uh, you know, her style and, and everything she contributed was, was also involved. That's awesome. Right. That's cool. Really cool story. A nod to the uh, one female owner, right? Yes, one out of six. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to come back and try the fish spread, the grouper bites, definitely the grouper sandwich. And I saw the photo of the salmon dish. It looks awesome. Yes. And the, the beer battered fish, too, of course. And then, like we were saying before, of course, you have things that uh, some of the crowd definitely wants there, like with the wings and the burgers and the tacos. And my son that night, I sent him a picture of the menu. And, of course, he found the buffalo chicken sandwich. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Which he really enjoyed, by the way, but I messed up and I forgot he likes it fried. <laughs> ah, gotcha, gotcha. So uh, before we go... As I mentioned earlier, I'm getting into knives. I'm doing like a little online knife skills thing. Besides the chef's, chef's knife, what's your favorite knife? Mm. I'd say nowadays, probably uh, a fish knife. I use a single beveled uh, single beveled Mac right now for most of my fish stuff just because we are getting in fresh seafood all the time and, and having precision cuts is extremely important, not only in the presentation, but you know the yield that we're getting off of all these fish. So I'd say that's probably my favorite run right now, but... Uh, historically, my favorite one has always been um, a vegetable cleaver, and that's just because of mm-hmm. right. you know, how how, he- how how heavy duty it is. And, and I've always been very, uh, you know, I've always made produce uh, a huge priority in all of my dishes. So, cool. especially how how they're cooked, and uh, you know, as, as if you're taking knife classes, you know that how precise you cut something is going to be how precise it cooks as well. And I think that's right. massively important. It's you know one of the do you, do you feel that the single bevel is better for precision? On a fish knife, I for believe. For fish, because he, yeah. he has to yeah. skin for it. fish, yeah. Yeah, but, just for, for the, the skin aspect of it. The single bevel allows you to get as close to the skin as possible without actually perforating through it. So cool. making sure we get as much meat off of that skin is, is basically the reason why it's single bevel. Right. So, and for a chef's knife, double bevel? Yeah, my go-to chef's knife is Wustoff Classic. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Wustoff. I've actually got one tattooed to my finger. <laughs> they, cool. uh, they just seem to be workhorses for me. I dr- I've dropped them all the, all the time. They don't break. They stay sharp for a long time. They're super heavy-duty, carbon, German steel. Uh, I think a lo- I think a lot of a lot of chefs, you know, debate whether Japanese or uh, or German is better. Um, and for me, just every day, you know, having to get work done, I go German. But for precision, I go Japanese. So mm-hmm. I say both are both, both are good. We, we <laughs> have we have both types. We we have both, and we're learning that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Well, thanks for confirming what we're we think we're learning. <laughs> So the Big Catch at Salt Creek is open every day from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. 
That's correct. It's at 1500 Second Street South in St. Pete in the 33701, just slightly on the south side, but you can see downtown right from there. You can almost see my condo from there. It's at the Harbor Ridge oh. Marina, correct? Right. That, yep, that's right. At the Harbor Ridge Marina. And the website is thebigcatchatsaltcreek.com. Chef Jason Gordon, thank you so much. Hey, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. We will be right back. This is Chris Walker, and you're listening to CP Foodies Podcast. We are still maintaining our list of what's open, along with hours and if they offer dine-in, takeout, and or delivery. And that's constantly changing and in flux because we have places closing, then reopening, then reclosing. So double check with the place before you go anyway. You will find the list at the top of our homepage at stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the show, we will have Chef Greg Picard from Sea Dog Cantina. If you'd like to send us unsolicited email, hate mail, or fan mail, or if you're interested in advertising, just send an email to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Jason Gordon. And thanks to our sponsors. Noble Crust. Pacific Counter. Booyah Ramen. And and Engine Engine Number 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Hmm, this is a tasty burger.